You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pump fakes, looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. What up, folks? This is Michael Bumpus, and you're listening to Hawk Talk, the recap edition. The Seahawks beat the Buccaneers 40-34 to in a thrilling overtime game like we usually do. We're going to start off this episode with Ray Roberts on the phone. How you doing, Big Ray? Doing pretty good, man. Just catching my breath after that uh, that game yesterday. I mean, it's just a whirlwind back and forth, uh, and then overtime win was pretty incredible. Awesome game, awesome game. Uh, so let's talk about the run game. You know, you're the you're the O line guru. Um, how nice was it to see the Seattle Seahawks run the football against probably the best defensive line or run defense in the NFL? Well, the, the thing that was good was the, uh, the actual game plan. They, they came out knowing that, uh, you know, that they're going to have to throw the ball to win, and they got the, the receivers into a good rhythm with Russell, and then that kind of opened up some lanes uh, for the run game. And for the most part, you know, my biggest concern going into this game was Joey Hunt in the middle uh, having to go against Indomitian Sue and, and Vita Vea all these, all, for a bunch of snaps, dudes that are bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic than he was. But he did a really good job working with the double teams with uh, Fluker and with Yupati and then also working himself up to the second-level defender, to the linebackers, in order to create some creases for, for uh, Carson. I mean, Carson only had, uh, you know, 16 carries, but he had over 100, over 100 yards rushing. So uh, did a really good job, I think. I think, you know, for all the, the heat that Shoddy gets and the Seahawks get for, uh, you know, wanting to run the ball all the time, I thought they had a really good game plan on how to get their run game accomplished uh, yesterday, and they executed really well. So Russell Wilson has his 34th fourth quarter or overtime win. What you see out of Russell Wilson? What makes this guy so special? You, you know what? It's, uh, I heard Pete Carroll talking about him earlier, and he was saying that the thing that makes him so special is you never know what's going to come next. The dude is always coming up with some kind of way to win, completing a pass, escaping a, uh, a pass rush, uh, you know, picking up yards with his legs. Uh, he finds a way to uh, to get the ball into the hands of the people that can to make plays and Tyler Lockett and and DK Metcalf and so to me it was just another one of those examples as to uh, this year hopefully more than any other year that people around the country are really taking notice to to Russell Wilson the dude is in complete command of the offense he's in complete command of his talent and his skill set he's in complete command of the situation of the game and knowing when to do it you know what to do and how to do it and when to do it. And uh, it just, I mean, it's just phenomenal. Like, you, you, you knew that when we got the ball in the overtime that we were going to walk off the field with the victory just yeah. because of the way Russell was playing. He's a smooth operator. So let's talk about this defense. The defense continues to struggle against the pass. What do you think they need to do, Big Ray? You know what, Mike? It's, uh, you know, we were talking on the, on the show yesterday, and at this point in the season, I don't know what there is that you can do. Uh, I just know that they need to find a way to disrupt uh, the other team's quarterback and his flow, uh, whether that's pressures and you're you're chasing him off the spot and having him to throw, uh, you know, bad passes or maybe create turnovers, or if that's getting hits on the quarterback just so he can hear the footsteps in the while he's in the pocket and maybe that makes him a little nervous. And then ultimately, whether or not uh, you can generate some sacks somehow. I know yesterday they were doing everything. They brought different blitzes. They were bringing Taylor. 
off the corner. They brought Bobby Wagner, who got, I think he got his first sack of the season uh, yesterday, uh, and then also Kendrick. So they're doing everything they can. Uh, they're just not getting there. And honestly, just from the eye test, without me like really going into deep detail and deep study, <clears throat> I think as it relates to their, off, their defensive line, they have too many similar type pass rushers. They, they seem to be all power pass rushers. And it's really hard to collapse the pocket, and it's really hard to, to get real pressure and sacks on quarterbacks when you're, when you're bull rushing and using power a lot because that means that you're engaged with the offensive linemen a lot more than when you're using athleticism or speed or quickness. And so I, I think there's a, there, there could be a combination of, of the way they, the individuals rush the quarterback and then also just a combination of not being able to get home the way they like. But they have to figure out something because putting a lot of pressure on those defensive backs and secondary to come up with big plays and big stops and also giving up big yards. That is right. The Seahawks defense is the uh, the perfect example of a bend but don't break. They will bend and bend, <laughs> and Russell Wilson will make sure that they don't break. So moving on. Well, to we, <laughs> moving we, on. Well, I was just going to say we may have to add that they might be bend but not break, but but they might be at break but don't break completely because <laughs> there is some break in there. Break and we'll just tape it up and with some duct tape and keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> so going on uh, to next week, huge showdown against the undefeated 49ers. They're the last undefeated team in the NFL going down to California on Monday. What do you think the Hawks need to do to make this happen? Well, first of all, like I know everyone this week is going to be throwing out all the analytics and why the Seahawks are not going to have a chance or why the 49ers are such a much better team. But this is one of those games where it's almost like, like a college rivalry where you kind of throw all that stuff out of the book and you just throw it, I mean, you just throw it out the window. Like you, it's, it's a rivalry game. It's going to be an intensely played game. It's going to be a, a hard hitting game. And I think for the Seahawks offensively, uh, to be successful, they have to make it. They have to make it a phone booth fighting game because if they if they get into like a finesse game where uh, that front seven for the 49ers are able to, to just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback and things, it's going to be a long, long day. And then defensively, uh, I think they have to make Garoppolo prove that he is who people think he is. I, I, I'm, my, the jury is still out on him uh, for me, uh, so they need to they need to make that dude really show who he is. And then obviously they need to shut down the running game. They have some explosive speedy running backs that can take it 70, 80 yards for a touchdown. So it has to be a phone booth kind of a game. It has to be a physical type of game. And the Seahawks have to be the bully in that situation. Be the bully. Hey, we're going to find out who the Hawks are on Monday. It's going to be a great showdown. Two NFC West teams going at it. The rivalry might be renewed. Thank you, Big Ray, for hopping on as usual. Yes, sir. Go Hawks. All right, man. So moving forward, now we're going to jump into our main takeaways from the game. The Seahawks improved to 7-2 and two over the season and have the third best record in the NFC. NASA Chobe, 7-2. and two. How you feel right now? I feel now? great. Are you kidding me? Again, we say this every week because we keep winning games. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year it would be 7-2 and two at this point and have the third best record in the NFC, I would take it all day and twice on Sunday. This team... However you want to say it, they're winning games. Winning. We'll get into that a little bit later, but they're winning games in all type of ways. Another takeaway, Russell Wilson is a bad man. Once again, he showed the league that he can perform at a high level. And not only perform at a high level, just his composure, man. I mean, goodness, he never looks stressed out to me. Never. Not once during the games he looks stressed out. Another takeaway. Had two game-winning drives to end the game. One ended in a 40-yard missed field goal by Jason Myers. It's all mental with him right now. He's on the tee box. His driver is struggling, and he's thinking about pulling out an iron or something right now. He just has to get locked in. 
He, you know, he will. I mean, I, like we've talked about this a lot on the post game show. It's it's tough with kickers, man, because there's you know so much of it is mental. Jason Myers has the leg. There's a reason we brought him back. He was a Pro Bowler last year. He can get it job done. Everyone knows that. Um, so you just got to figure out. Let's just chalk it up. He had a bad day. Had a bad day. He had a bad day. The team had his back, and and it's great to see Coach Pete Carroll come out in the post game press conference and yep. immediately be like, "No, he is our kicker. There's no doubts." He had a bad day. He's our kicker moving forward. So instill some of that confidence back in him, you know? Yeah, and it's not like you can just go on, like, Washington Boulevard and find you a kicker. Just, yeah. you know. If they're not here, they're, if they're not on a team right now, it's probably for a reason, it's right? It's for a reason, exactly. Another takeaway, Joey Hunt stepped up against the Bucks. He had a tough task going against Vitavea and Sue, but definitely held his own. He's a little undersized, but he's probably one of the smartest guys on that offensive line. I thought he played it uh, well yesterday. Yeah, well, because you didn't hear Ndamukong Sue's name at all. You heard his name on a holding penalty. Um, and then Vita Vey obviously is a problem. He was, you know, not necessarily always matched up on Joey. He was kind of all over the line. But yeah. Joey, he stepped in there, and it didn't, you didn't, there wasn't a – you didn't skip a beat. I mean, Russell was still able to function. He had a great pocket, clean pocket for most of the game. So, big ups to Joey Hunt for sure. Big ups, Joey. Another takeaway, Seahawks receiver stepped up in a huge way. DK had over 100. Lockett had over 100. Even Jacob Hollister got into the mix. Another tough day on the defense. Tampa had 418 yards of offense and only one turnover. However, uh, the Bucks were one of seven on third down in the second half, and I think that's huge. Not a lot of takeaways, a bunch of yards, but if you can get them to not be efficient on third down, you're doing something right. I think at this point we have to focus on what they're doing right. Mm-hmm. You can always point at the negative. Oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. Hey, they're 7-2, and two, and when they have to step up, it seems like for the most part they're not breaking. They're just bending a little bit. Yeah, it was tough in the first half. I think the, I'm pretty sure the Bucks were like 5-6 of six or 5-7 of seven on um, third downs, which was tough. Obviously, you had a penalty on one of them. You had a near interception on one of them. They just weren't really closing the deal in the first half, and they definitely improved. Obviously, holding them 1-7 is great. They, like we said, they bend a little more than, yeah. than we would like <laughs> as a the viewing audience, but they still did what they needed to do, and we got a job done. Hey, got out of there. Last takeaway, Mike Evans is a problem, man. I mean, shucks. This guy, he can go up top. He can go underneath. He has run after the catch. Um, he's a complete receiver. As a analyst, I enjoy watching him play. As a Seahawks supporter, he stresses me the heck out because he feels like he can hit the home run at any moment. Well, I mean, look at his dude's numbers. We said this in last week in the preview edition that he was a problem, and that was true. Not rocket science, but he had 12 receptions, 180 yards, and one touchdown. The dude is just really good, man. He's a possession receiver. He's able to stretch you down the field. He has great hands. It was a tough day for any Seahawks DB that was against him, man. Tough day. Mike Evans is a baller. And if you don't know his story, man, look him up. He has a, a great story. Um, good guy. So we're going to talk about top performers now. Got to mention the man, Russell Wilson. 29 of 43, 378 yards and five touchdowns. No picks. On the year, he has 22 touchdowns and only one interception. He's completing 68 percent of his passes now all he needs to do is reach that 70 mark i mean he's doing pretty much everything he needs to do his his next goal is to have a 70 percent completion uh, rate and he was at 70 for most of the year he just had that one tough game against baltimore it's kind of brought him back down a little bit but i mean he's right there dude and every we mention this every week every single week there's more stats about russell wilson in nfl history so what's what's this week's stat now i mean there's i could go i could read a hundred of them but the first one so with his five touchdown passes in the game versus the bucks russell wilson has 22 like you said touchdowns on the year and only one interception on the season he's the only player in the super bowl era with 22 passing touchdowns and one fewer interceptions in his team's first nine games of the year 
Ridiculous. And on top of that, he's now this, one of the seven players in NFL history to have three games of five touchdown passes, zero interceptions. Other people on the list are Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. I mean, you, you got guys that are pretty much all going to be in the Hall of Fame. So pretty it's, much all these guys are going to the Hall of Fame. Deshaun Watson still has a little bit to prove, but he's headed in the right direction. Another top performer, Tyler Lockett, had 13 receptions, 152 yards, and two touchdowns. Through just nine games, Tyler Lock has set a career high in receptions for a single season. That's wild. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I figured last year he had about he had 60 catches, but he's already at 59 receptions for the year. He is clearly the go-to guy. He's the number one. Please stop hating on this man. He's getting it done. Well, it's crazy, too, because he was balling last year. Yeah. Right? So I, w- I would assume when I saw that in the game notes, I said, hold on a second. This is game nine? I assumed that that number was around 70 or 80, but as much as we run the ball, I guess it's not a surprise. And I'll do you one more. Tyler is now on pace to have one of the best uh, seasons in Seahawks receiver history. And that includes, uh, I don't know, Hall of Fame receiver Steve Largent. Yep. He is on pace to have the most receiving yards in a season, the most receptions in a season. So, I mean, get your popcorn ready, man. He's passing up guys like Largent, Bobby Ingram, who was my mentor when I was on the team, um, and Doug Baldwin. So, Tyler Lockett, keep eating your Wheaties, keep doing whatever you're doing, spitting that poetry because you're balling, man. Another top performer, DK, six receptions, 123 yards, one touchdowns. Now, this guy, um, his progression has been nice to see. Week one, he was a, a, a goal ball guy. Week two or three, I saw him run a, a slant. Week, week three or four, he's running across the field. Last week, I saw him running an out against press coverage and was so technical, man. He's showing that he's working hard and he's getting better at his craft. He's not satisfied with just being a, a deep, deep field guy. No, like the last couple of weeks, you've seen him mix in some double moves. You've seen him do things in the receiving game where it's like that's, that's veteran stuff. Yeah. When people, all the people, all the haters want to talk about him as a one-trick pony, a straight line guy coming out of college – Week after week after week, he matures, he impresses, and he shows that, hey, he can do it all, and he is, without question, the best rookie receiver in the NFL. Yes, sir, and they gave him a a jet sweep as well. Mm -hmm. So when you start giving your guys jet sweeps, that means the coaching staffs trust you and they like you. Another top performer, Chris Carson, has 16 carries, 105 yards, his fourth 100-yard game this season, and had a nice run in the second half. A big, I think it was a 59-yard game, Uh though he did fumble. But uh, let's not even talk about that. Let's focus on the positive. Well, Chris he, Carson got his fourth 100-yard well, game. Well, you watch the play. If you watch that play from the end zone side, he runs he runs through about four or five tackles yeah. just to start. So, I mean, the dude, he'll shake you up. Earlier in the game, he had a really nice spin move to get another you know, 10-plus-yard gain. He can do it all. Chris yeah. Carson's a bad man. Seems like every, every week he's adding something to his game. There's a spin move. I remember uh, early in the season he put his foot in the ground and shook a safety. He's running over guys. I mean, goodness gracious, Chris Carson, keep doing your thing, man. So the receiver roundup, we talked a little bit about him already. Tyler Lockett, 13 catches, 152 yards, two touchdowns. DK, six for 123 in the tug. Jacob Hollister, love seeing this dude ball. Practice squad guy, worked his way up. Things about practice squad, you just have to be ready when your number is called because you might only get a shot for this week and then someone's healthy and you're back mm-hmm. in the practice squad. You got to do things like score two touchdowns and have the game winner like Jacob Hollister to make sure that if they're going to bump you down, they're going to think long and hard about putting you back on that practice oh, squad. Oh, yeah, and, and for Russell, you said this in the postgame, for Russell to have the confidence to go to Jake with the game on the line right there and, yeah. and not bat an eye, I mean, good for you, Hollister. Humble guy from Bend, Oregon, getting things done up here, baby. Oh, he's in the Northwest. Okay. 
Chris Carson, two catches, 28 yards. Luke had two for 20. What I appreciate about Luke, his rib is jacked up. I just got mm-hmm. done talking to Pete. He says he probably had a, a rough night sleeping. So, um, But that doesn't surprise about Luke. Luke seems like a tough guy. I just oh, yeah. rub some dirt on it, mm-hmm. and uh, let's get back in there. like having Luke back here. David Moore had two catches for 18 yards as well. Now, David Moore is not doing a lot, but. Every game he has a catch there. He has a couple catches there. He still has value to this football team, and I like seeing my guy be able to make some plays. So now we're going to go to the Coach's Corner. For this edition of Coach's Corner, we're going to talk about DK Metcalf's deep 53-yard touchdown. The play fake by Russell, who stops, looks, throws backside. Metcalf catches it down the sidelines, 15, 10, 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. And if Tampa Bay can do it, the Seahawks can do it one better. From 53, Russell with a beautiful rainbow shot to Metcalf, who ran away from the defense. Jamel Dean was chasing. He was not going to catch the rookie. And the Seahawks back out on top, 33-27. The Seahawks are the masters of the deep cross. Every receiver on this team has to be able to run a deep cross, and if you can understand spacing and leverage while doing it, you're going to get the football and have chances to make big plays. Right here, excuse me, DK was lined up tight in the formation. He got a matchup on number 35, the safety, and all he did was just run across his face. That's all it is. On the other side, you got Tyler Lockett running a deep cross. So now you're forcing those safeties to communicate. You got to pass him off, pick him up, pass him off, and pick him off. Number 35 had a tough day, and uh, that shows right there with DK. When DK caught that football, I got flashes of T.O. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as T.O., but the way he runs and that long stride and that gallop, it's like he's just eating up the turf. Well, the thing about it, too, is there's certain guys when you watch them out there and they're running full speed, it looks like they are giving everything yeah. they got. Yeah. And they're, the arms are moving. It just looks it looks hard, right? Yeah. Guys like DK, you watch them, it just looks effortless. Smooth. He's just gliding and, and separating. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, when you watch him, yeah, it, smooth is the right word. He's a thoroughbred, man. All right, the best thing we took from this game, this team can win games in any style. And they can grind them out. They can go in a shootout. They can dominate in the run game. They can have throw the ball 40 times. They can win close ones. All right? I'm still waiting to see them blow somebody out, but that's mm-hmm. just not hey. what the Hawks do. But we'll take it. Only three NFC teams have a better record than the Hawks, the Niners, the Packers, and the Saints. We've already played the Saints, took the L there, got the Niners on Monday, cannot wait for it. This has to be the biggest game of the year in the NFL on Monday. No question about it. I think Dory brought up in the postgame show yesterday that in the storied history of Monday Night Football, this is the third highest winning percentage between two teams in the history. So it's, it's I mean, there's been some duds this year, but this one is not going to disappoint. That's for damn sure. This one will not. Hawks are 7-2, and two, going down to Cali. Let's go, Niners. Let's see what you got. It's been real, folks. I am Michael Bump as your host, along with my producer, Nasset Chobie. We will see you next time.